You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. It's a good season to read First John because the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what you need to see for yourself. And um, <clears throat> it's a brilliant book. It's an amazing, powerful, jam-packed letter that John writes to the church. And um, if you got it opened in uh, we're going to pick it up from verse John chapter 3, First John chapter 3, and um, this morning we finished up that verse 15 clearly tells us whoever hates his brother is a murderer, pretty strong words, don't you think? Yeah. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, that means to hate is, not, is, is to not lay down your life for your brother, to choose not to lay down your life. The word hate is another way you can say is to love less your brother, to love your brother less than yourself. Um, And so whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, brothers and sisters. So let's read that again. By this, we know love. Because He laid down His life for us. So Jesus laid down His life for us. And then we ought to. The word ought means we're indebted to lay down our life for one another. For the brothers and sisters. How do we know love? This is it. In a, in a nutshell, the summary of, of God coming in the flesh is the fact that God loved us and He laid down His life for us. When you think about Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus paying the penalty for us. He died for our sins before we even committed the sin. So He answered the problem before we even became the problem. Like He answered the question before we even... He already gave us the answer before we even asked the question. I didn't even know I needed salvation. You didn't know you needed salvation. But God, in His wisdom, came and laid down His life to meet your need completely. Spirit, soul, and body. By this we know love. How do we know love? By understanding that God is so committed to you that He came down Himself, became a man, and died on the cross. You know, sometimes you've got to think. You've got to stop. You've got to meditate. You've got to think, God, I want to know. By this we know love. How am I going to know God's love? By really believing the God of the universe sent His Son, Jesus, became a man, so to speak, God in Christ, reconcile the world to himself. So when Jesus was, I like to see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press, where when you squeeze olive in an olive press, you get oil, anointing oil. Jesus was crushed. And when he, the, the, it's like the, the consummation of all of history happened at that garden. Because it was at that point where, the, where Jesus fell before the Father, crumbled before the weight of Knowing he's begun to become sin. But please remember, all this was for you. It's so powerful that if you're the only person on the planet to have died for, he would have still done it just for you. That's how committed his love is to you. If you don't open up your heart to believe this, you won't understand how valuable you are to him. And so Jesus, when he says, when he crumbles under the weight, he goes, my soul He's vulnerable with Peter, James, and John and tells him, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to the point of death. I feel in the weight. 
feel like I'm about to, it's going to explode me. I feel like I'm going to die. He's not, he hasn't even become sin yet, but he's just saying, I'm, I'm, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to do. This is why he was born. This is his mission. This is his purpose. I was, uh, he was born to die. He had spoken to Moses and Elijah. They came and they revealed to him the things that he was going to do at the cross. And so now he's saying, Father, if it's possible, if it's at all possible, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. At that point, Jesus makes a decision. He says, you know what? No matter what it's going to cost, I'm going. I don't believe he ever, ever flinted. I don't think he ever thought, should I not? But he's just saying, Lord, if, if there's another way to redeem mankind, nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. He submitted his will. But I, I want us to remember he did that for you. How do we know this love? That he laid down his life for us. I didn't even know I needed a savior. But he paid the price. He's committed. He's so committed to you. He went all the way and paid for every part of our answer. Spirit, soul, and body. Totally redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. Completely defeated the enemy on our behalf and became sin on that cross. So when he, when he, at that one point when he had to die, he, he, somehow God had to leave him for him to spiritually die. Had to leave him. That's what he was dreading more than anything. The physical pain, he never screams. When they put pain on him, they, 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 they whipped him, they put nails in his hands and they bashed him, they ripped his beard out. I mean, they bashed him with rods. They did so much. He was immaculated. He was, didn't look like a human being anymore. That's what Isaiah says. He didn't look human. And he hung there on the cross. But that was still, all that physical pain is nothing compared to him becoming sin. And yet he willingly did it because of his love was committed to you. I, I want to I stress this because this is what First John is all about. It keeps reiterating. It keeps telling us this is how we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. We didn't love God. We love God because he first loved us. Talking about the cross again. He's committed, he's committed to us. And when we understand that, we're going to understand God and His love. By this we know love. How do we know it? Because He laid down His life for us. And that's why I'm saying so we need to think and meditate. I didn't even know I needed a Savior. I didn't even know I needed my sins forgiven. I didn't know I needed my sins washed. I didn't know I had, someone had to pay the penalty for my sin. I didn't know, I didn't know, I, uh, you know that when we were going to be born, that we were born in spiritual death and we were going to uh, break the law of God, which we all did. And that God is so righteous, so holy, so pure, someone had to pay the penalty. And he came up with the answer. And he did it all for us. And we also, because he laid down his life for us, it's that revelation of understanding. He did it all for us. We also ought to, the word ought means we're indebted to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We're indebted. We, we owe it to each other. Because we've received this unconditional love, we owe it to each other to walk in unconditional love. But whoever has this world's goods, that word goods means life. Whoever has this world's liveliness, life, the, the, the livelihood is a better word. Whoever has this world's livelihood and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? If you see a brother in need and you've got this goods to help and we don't, how can the love of God live in us? He says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed 
and in truth. The word deed means works. It's the same word that we, we translate works. But let's love in works and in truth. So don't just love in tongue. Don't just say, oh yeah, we speak the language. Don't just talk the talk. We've got to walk the walk. We're talking about this love language, okay? Walking in love. It basically says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. By this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. How do we know? When you love in deed and in truth, when you love by works, when you actually love in reality, right? You assure your hearts before Him. It's like we, get, we, we receive a confidence before God when we actually walk in love. So the reality of what it's saying is when you actually walk in love and lay down your life for your brother, you see your brother in need, you meet that need. When you do it, rather than just speak about it, when you do it, you, you shall assure, make your hearts confident before Him. For if our heart condemn us, why, do, why does our heart condemn us? Our hearts condemn us when we don't do this, when we don't walk in love. So if our heart condemn us because we love, we're only speaking deed, we're only speaking in tongue and word, like we speak the language, but we don't do it, then our hearts will condemn us. But it, it's interesting, our hearts, but if, for if our heart condemn us, listen to this, this is so powerful. God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Now why does our heart condemn us? Because we're not, live, we're not living in the light we've got and we're not living in truth. We're not walking in love to one another. Our hearts will condemn us. But God is greater than our hearts and He knows all things. In other words, it's not God that's condemning us. Our hearts condemn us. God's not condemning you. It's not God that's condemning you. Like all of a sudden, when we feel down or put ourselves down or condemnation or stuff, we think God's upset and angry with us. God's not the one that's condemning us. Our hearts condemn us or convicts us because we know we're not loving indeed and in truth. Yes, God is greater. No, God is greater than your heart. He even knows why your heart condemns you. He even knows it. It's not Him that's doing the condemning. Look what it says here now. Beloved, if our hearts do not, does not condemn us, that means you do love indeed and in truth, we have confidence towards God. There's something powerful about when you practice walking in love, you'll have a confidence before God. And whatsoever, because when you get confident before God and you've got this assurance before God, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now, what are His, what are his commandments? It, it answers at the next verse. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave His commandment. So this is the commandment we're supposed to believe. Believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, there's two things that this book speaks of which are the commandments of God. Right? So I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. The commandments are that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the salvation, the only anointed to save. Believe in that and love one another as He gave His commandment. Remember, believing in Jesus is the only way of salvation is understanding that God paid the ultimate price in sending His Son, and salvation only comes through Jesus. When you believe the name of Jesus, the only anointed one to save, it opens your heart to the love of God. So you've got to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus, because God gave testimony over His, over his Son. We'll go into that in a moment. And then love one another as He gave commandment. This, was the, this is what was revealed. This was the message that was revealed in the beginning, that we should love one another, because God is love. So He goes on to say, 
Verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he lives and abides in him. God lives in us. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So how do we know he lives in us? By the spirit that he's given us. And, and I, when it refers to the spirit, to me, it's like God is spirit and, and the spirit of God is love. How do we know that we, we're walking in him? By walking in the spirit of love. When you read verse one, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false teachers, many false prophets. There's a lot of false messages out there. Don't believe every one of them, but test them. And it says in verse two, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. That's a very powerful it's, it's, again, it's reiterating the same way we're talking about. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus, the salvation of the world, has come in the flesh is of God. And there, uh, there are going to be people that will say, yes, uh, I, I believe in Jesus and, you know, Jesus is good for me and Jesus is good for you. That's great. But, you know, God's a God of love and you can find God any way you want. He's going to forgive you. That's not the gospel. Jesus is the only way to the Father. There is no other way to get to the Father except through Jesus. That's what Jesus said. There is not another way of salvation. So whenever anyone waters it down, have you ever heard people pray? I don't know. I mean, I understand that some people they just don't know any better, but they say, you know, and in God's and in God's name, or in your son's name, and and in the Father, we and we pray in God and with God's name and this and everything but Jesus. What about Jesus? The word Jesus is salvation. He is the only anointed to save. When you really, truly believe that, it opens up your heart to the love of God like nothing else. Because you understand that God is a righteous God. Yes, He's a loving Father. Yes, He's a loving, forgiving God. But He's also 100% holy, righteous, and just and cannot break His word. He's holy, perfect, righteous, full of justice, and judgments can never be unrighteous. So therefore, someone had to pay the penalty for our sin. God couldn't, in His righteousness, uphold His righteousness and say, I'm going to forgive you just because I want to, even though you don't deserve to be forgiven, I'm going to forgive you. God could not do that because He has to remain righteous while He chooses to forgive you. That's why people say, oh, now some people go on off track where they go, there is no hell. And that God, everyone's going to be forgiven and everyone's going to make it to heaven. And God's just a good God. And no matter what you do, you can never, miss, you can never displease God. And you can never, that's not from the gospel. It's not the word of God. The, the, my Bible does not tell me that. I'm sorry. There is a hell that's real, eternal, for all, for all eternity, absent from God. Because you reject the only Savior that you had. By choosing not to follow him. I'm just trying to be honest and truthful, but that's the truth. That's the word of God. That's why he's saying every spirit that doesn't confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Even if an, you had an encounter, let's say an angelic encounter. Because you know that Satan can come as an angel of light. The Bible says that. So even if an angel came, I, I first say, hang on a sec. Did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? You see what he says. And, then, and a lot of people, if people you know, even demons, they don't know how to say that. They can't say that. 
Jesus, the anointed one, the Savior of the world, is anointed, has come in the flesh. Do you really believe that God, the Savior of the world, came in the flesh? And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. What's the spirit of the Antichrist? People that don't say that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That Jesus is the only way of salvation. Really, that's the best way to put it. When you don't believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation, you think, oh, there's other ways. That's the Antichrist. As long as you're a good person, God will let you into heaven. The Antichrist. It's not the gospel. Gospel means good news. He did it all for you. And that's why, it, that's why we bow the knee and Jesus is Lord of our life. We're no longer in charge of our life because Jesus is our Redeemer, our Savior. Now He leads us. Amen? He goes, verse um, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Isn't that a powerful scripture? It's a great scripture to memorize. Good to have it in your spirit and your mind. But you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. We've overcome the world and, and we've overcome the anti-spirit, the anti-Christ spirit. Because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Always remember, the God of the universe lives in us. And God who is in us is far greater than anyone, any spirit that's in the world. It really is like the demons and the evil spirits. It's like darkness that can't affect light. We're the light of the world. We, God is light. God lives in us. His light, how can darkness ever affect light? You've got to have that type of confidence. Amen. I mean, when you hear the story of Amy just saying about this white witch, saying, I'm going to put a hex on you, I'm going to put a curse on you, and all that. And if you fear that, that's the open door. If you think that that could put something on you, you don't know who you are. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No witch doctor, no white doctor, no, no, no matter who they are. White doctor, white witch, whatever they are. No one. I meant to say white witch. Everyone's listening. That's just good test there. No, no matter what they say. But when you fear it, when you think, oh, but the devil can put something on me. That's only because you think they can that you give the access through fear that opens up the door that a curse can come on you. How can a curse come on me when Jesus became my curse? That I may inherit the blessing. Either, he, either I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, as Ephesians 1-2 says, or I'm not blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I've got every spiritual blessing I need, thank you very much, because of Jesus, not because of me. And so there I'm assured that, God, you've done it all. You did it perfect for me. I have peace with God for our for our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so important because it closes the door. Fear is the open door for the enemy to attack you in any way. I mean, when I was a baby, baby Christian, I used to, I just got saved 30 years ago, and, and I would get attacked in my dreams, half asleep, half away, and a demonic spirit would come in and try to attack me because I didn't know. I didn't know my authority. It didn't last for long because once I started to know who I was, and I started with, uh, and I, and, I, and I commanded it and I took authority. But even taking authority, it's only when fear left that the Spirit couldn't attack me. Because I, I remember one time, it was I, I can't explain it any other way, but I felt I was under demonic attack. I felt like my spirit was coming out of my, my body. It literally felt like it was coming out of my body. 
And I thought, and, and my mind was just saying, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. That's how I felt. I felt like I was being dragged to hell. And I'm, <laughs> I was losing my mind. I thought, <laughs> That's how it felt. I felt like my head was going. <laughs> all that attack. And all of a sudden, uh, and I, I remember screaming at the top of my voice, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Because someone said, rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And so I said at the top of my voice, nothing changed. Then I had a thought. Jesus would never let me go to hell. I just had a thought of, Faith in God and peace, and it left like that. So anytime the enemy attacked after that, I just, really, I just know now the enemy can't touch. You have no right. You have no authority. I'm light. He's darkness. And, and it leaves. And having been attacked in that realm, like that. It's the attitude of Smith Wigglesworth when in his bedroom. Great man of God, great apostle of faith, who's raised many people from the dead. And he's asleep in his bedroom, and he can feel an evil presence. He literally felt an evil presence walk into his room and he turned over and he looked and it was actually the devil himself manifested. And you know what he says? This is the good reaction. Ah, it's only you. And turns over, (laughs) turns over and goes to sleep. That's the reality. Ah, it's only you. You can't touch me. You can't affect me. I'm going to sleep. And there's no fear. The devil can't grip you, can't touch you. Amen. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. But by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. That's a powerful thing what he's talking about. You know when you're speaking about God and you know when people are hearing you and you know when people don't listen, when people aren't hearing you. They're there. They might be even nodding their head, but they're not, they're not receiving. They are of the world. They, therefore, they speak of the world and the world hears them. We are of God and he who knows God will hear us. He who is not of God does not hear us. They don't like our message. They don't like what we stand for. They don't like when we say Jesus is the only way to heaven. They don't like it. They don't receive it. They actually get angry. How could you say that? That's just, how could you be like that? How could you think that God is like that? They don't speak the same language as us. And and we're not going to win them by us becoming like them, by trying to speak the same language as them. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Every time I used to read that as a baby Christian, because I wanted to know God, I wanted to get close to God, I I just wanted to know how to walk with God. Beloved, let us love one another. So me choosing to love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who chooses to love, who chooses to be sensitive to love, is born of God and knows God. You want to know God? Choose love. Know what love is. A lot of people don't know what love is. <laughs> I want to know what love is. <laughs> What's the other part? All oh, the songs are coming out. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Now let's remember what the definition of love is. He who does not love means he who does not lay down his life for his brother. Does not know God. For 
God is love. He who does not love does not lay down his life for his brother, has this world's goods but doesn't help them. And I, think it's, I think it's got a, a lot to do with our gifts too and our abilities and our talents and God has gifted us to serve humanity. Like the best way I can love people is to fulfill the call of God on my life. I can't do what someone else is gifted to do to try to show people love. I've got to do what God's called me to do. So there's an element of saying, God, I, I use my gift to serve. That's why I think it's the best thing to do is start in the, the church because God has gifted us. The church is God's body. This is God's people. God's called out people. And we're all working as a body, as a human body operates together. We're operating together to love our city. And our gifts start to work together. I'm the liver, I'm the kidney, I'm the intestine, someone else is the blood cell, someone else is the heart, and someone else is the bone, someone else is the ligament, someone else is the... Everyone doing their part, serving to love one another. Verse 8, he who does not love, who does not lay down his life, does not know God, for God is love. Do you want to know God? Choose love. Lay down your life. And love, I don't know how to explain, because love is, I mean, if you ever think love of an emotion, you've got love completely wrong. If you see love as an emotion, like a feeling. Well, I don't feel to love anybody. That's why I don't. I don't have the, the you know, beautiful feelings. Because when I have the feeling, then I would do it. You don't have a clue what love is. You don't know what love is. But love, I mean, well, I think... When you've opened up to God and you've opened up your heart to God and you understand what He's done for you on the cross, then you've opened up your heart to this unconditional love He's committed to us. Before I even knew I needed salvation, He already died on the cross. He's fully committed to me. And when I've understood His unconditional love, then I can love and give love away for free. Nothing in return. I love you as long as you love me back. So the world has got a filio love. It's a friendship love. It's a selfish kind of love that I'll love you as long as you love me back. I'll give you this if you give me. Give and take. and, and It's like tit for tatter. And if you don't love me, uh, it's all law-based. In a marriage, you can do this. It's law-based. I'll do this as long as you do that. But if you don't do that, I won't do this. And if you do that, I'll do this. And, it's all, and then when you step into real love, you walk in grace. You walk in unconditional love. And you no longer check, I've done this, so you should do that, and I've done that. And it's not conditional. It becomes unconditional. Sometimes you need a little bit of conditions, law, to help you get to that place of grace. Because grace and unconditional love comes from tr to tr trust. It's when you fully trust one another. To be vulnerable, to be real. To be so love is powerful. When you look at 1 Corinthians 13 about what is love, love is patient, love is kind, love is not self-seeking. That's a perfect definition of love. Put yourself there and say, if God is love, and I want to walk in God, and God is in me, and every time I'm sensitive to love, I'm sensitive to God, and I'm walking, and I'm obeying God, and I'm getting to know God. Well, every time you obey God and lay down your life to walk in love, God's in that. Just God's there. The, the presence of God. God is manifested in our love walk. Just really, when you think about it, guys, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. We should look so strange the way we love one another. Not, you know what I mean by strange? Because they don't have it and they look at us and go, wow. 
Look at how they love one another. Look how they're committed. Why do they do that? Why do they love one another like that? He who does not love, does not lay down his life, does not know God. Why? Because God is love. If you want to know God, walk in love. You'll get closer to God by choosing the love walk. Every time you've got a, oh, I want to tell them a piece of my mind. And they've attacked me. And, 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 and they've thrown all these darts. And now you've got ammunition too. Now I've got opportunity. I can get all my ammunition. I can throw back too. No, choose not to throw back. Even though you've got all the ammunition of accusations or excuses of what they've done wrong. Choose love. They criticize you, attack you. Choose love. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. How? That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Can you see it? I'll say it again. In this the love of God was manifested, revealed to us, so that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. How do we know the love of God? Because God sent His only Son into the world. He was committed. He went all the way. Paid the penalty on the cross. God's love for you. In this is love. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. This, in this is love, not that we loved God. We didn't love God. He loved us. When we open up our hearts to the message of what He did for us, we, we, we responded to His love. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Can you see what John's saying? He's really honing it in. He's just like bringing it down, bringing it down, bringing it. He's trying to say, guys, love. Love is the language. This is what God is. God is love. You want to get close to God? You want to be sensitive to God? You want to, you want to draw near to God's presence? Walk in love. Every time you've got a choice to lean in to God, walk in love. The opposite is saying no to God. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought, that means we're indebted to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. In other words, if you, you want to get close to God, you've never seen God. I've never seen God. No one has seen God at any time. But if you want to see God, if we love one another, God abides in us. God lives in us. Every time you choose love, every time I choose love, God lives in us. And His love has been perfected in us, complete, matured in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. See, there's that, that point again. He's trying to say, we've seen and we've testified the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, the whole world. The only Savior of the whole world is Jesus. There's no other Savior. He's testified of this and we have seen and heard Seen and testified that God sent this Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Verse 14, and we have seen it. No, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. There's something powerful about that. It's like, that's why salvation opens you up to the relationship with God. Whoever confesses that Jesus, the salvation, is the Son of God, that Jesus came in the flesh Jesus is the Son of God. God abides in Him and He in God. Now that Jesus is the Son of God, He's sinless. He came from a virgin birth. Jesus was the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph. The Son of God. 
sinless, born of, through a virgin. God became a man. Whoever believes that is of God. There's two commandments. Believe in the name of his son Jesus and love one another in this book. It's all you need. Amen? Amen. Verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Again, he's, he's, he's just constantly saying the same thing. Listen to this. And we have known and believed. Known is kinosko. I know intimately and believe the love of God that, ha- that God has for us. How do I know it? Because of what Jesus died on the cross. We have known and believed that Jesus is the Son of God. When you believe that, you know and believe that God has, sorry, the love that God has for us. That's how you know the love of God, by believing what He's done for you on the cross. That's what I'm trying to say, what I believe John's trying to say. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. God is, God is love, and he who abides, lives in love, sensitive to love, obeys love, listens to love. When love says, do this, is being sensitive to God, is being obedient to God, and is walking obedience to God and walking, saying yes to God. Every time you walk in love, you're saying yes to God, and God is in you. Love has been perfected among us in this. By walking in this love. That's how, God, that's how God's love is perfected in us. So that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment. In other words, when you and I walk in love, you'll have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment. Because, I, lo- I love what he's saying, because as he is, so are we in this world. We are to walk like Jesus. In this book, I think he says it three times. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Just think about that for a second. There is no fear in love. We're talking about what love is, remember? So this is a good definition of love. Real love, pure love from God. There is no fear in love. The word fear is phobias. Phobia. That's the Greek word. There is no phobia in God's love. No fear in love, but perfect love. That word perfect means complete or matured. It's like an end goal. It's complete, matured love. Cast out all fear. Mature love, pure love, casts out fear. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Actually, I, I, I misread something. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Or fear, when there's fear involved, it torments you, but it, uh, fear involves punishment. Fear of punishment. Fear of lack. Fear is not from God. God, When you understand who God is and you get to know Him, it just drives out fear. I don't know how to explain it any other way. And, and that's where pure love is, that, that you can be vulnerable. There's trust. Remember I was talking about this morning that every time we don't fully trust God, we choose darkness because we want to meet our own need. Why do people steal? Because they don't trust God that He could provide their need. Their need. So they'll meet their own need by helping themselves. Thank you very much. Why, why do people lie? Fear. 
the root cause of lying is you don't want to show the real, who, real you. Because you don't think people will accept you the way you are. They won't like me. They won't love me. They won't accept me. I know we call it white lie. We're going to protect them and all that. That's all rubbish. <laughs> but real, honest, walking in love, you don't have to lie. You know, when you lie, the problem with lying is you've got to lie to cover up a lie. Then you forget what you've lied about and you're always thinking and worried or looking over your shoulder and worrying when you're going to get caught one day because everyone, you, every lie, some people lie so much that you can hang on say, you told me that. You told me something completely different before. You even forgot the lie you gave me. <laughs> and then that can't be trusted. And then it doesn't produce love. But why do we lie? Lack of fear. Uh, lack of love, which is fear. It's always fear-based. If you really believe God's pattern, God's model, God's will, God's ways are best, and it's because He loves you, then you'll wait. You'll wait to get it his way. Because it's always timing. True? And you won't say, oh, I want to do it my way. I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to make it happen my way. Amen? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment or punishment. But he who fears has, no, has not been made perfect in, in love. And I love that. I just think, God, if I have any fear in me, I have not been matured in love yet. I don't, I don't know you that well yet. I've walked with him for 30 years, but I don't know him that well yet. That doesn't mean anything you've walked with God for 30 years, if you don't know him. If there's still fears inside of you. And, some, and it's, I think it's different levels. I think it's ne- always different degrees of trusting God. I don't think you ever, ever, 100% know we will never arrive. Because if you, 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 you get rid of this fear, this level, but then God says, I want you to trust me now in a deeper way, and now it's another level of that you've got to trust Him. That could be about our finances. It could be about our sexuality, trusting God for the right person. And say, no, wait, I'm not going to marry the wrong person because, God, you have the right person. All those things. Trusting God, His way. Amen? All right. Well, we've. I really wanted to get to that, which is good because I think it's important to, to see that there is no fear in love. There is no fear. Think about that for yourself. Go through the scripture, meditate, see what the Holy Spirit says to you and how you understand there is no fear in love. And in verse 9 it says, we love Him. Why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. All our goodness, every part, every ounce of our goodness, every ounce comes from Him. The grace we walk in came from Him. Any good works that we walk in is because He empowered us with His love, His grace. We received His love and then we walk in that love. So all that grace we walk in has come from the Father. If someone, we'll just finish these last two verses, is that all right? I know we're about to finish now. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother and does not lay down his life for his brother or he loves his brother less, he is a liar. For he who does not love God his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So, so if you say, I love God, and then you don't love your brother, is a liar. Because how can you, if you really love God, remember God's love, 
And the reason why we, we love Him is because He first loved us. So if I truly love God, it's because He first loved me. If He loved me, I've received His unconditional love, which will enable me to love my brother unconditionally. That's why we should be the ones that walk in the most love on the planet. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.